Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. All right. Episode 14. The real episode 14. Yeah. Part two, (laughs) but the real one. (laughs) The last time we recorded episode 14, we um, did a little exploration with Jack Daniels whiskey. Shout out. Um, And we quickly found out that... Um, that made for great sound bites, but it did not make for a great episode. So, what are we drinking tonight? So, we are taking it easy on the Jack Daniels tonight, but we are drinking Topo Chico seltzers, which I have not had before. And No, they're good. Yeah, they are really good. I had Topo Chico when I lived in Mexico, but I have not had it. I, I know they sell it around here, but I haven't had it for years. But I thought it would be fun to try their seltzer. And it's really good. This is tangy lemon lime. And it is delish. Mine is strawberry guava. And I like it. Mm. Like, I, I do. It's it's good flavor. It There's a lot of flavor. Yeah, there is a lot of flavor. Yeah. So, today is episode 14. I was having a recent discussion at lunch with a friend. And it brought this topic to mind. Because we were talking about this exact same thing. She has just filed for divorce. And is having kind of a rough time and just asked for my advice. And so as I was giving her advice, I thought, man, I really wish someone would have told me this when we first filed for divorce. And I had support. I had some friends that were there for me. But there there were just some things that I needed to hear that would have changed the way I spent the first few months after I filed. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that would be a good thing to discuss. Like if we were to do it over again, what would we do differently that maybe either someone else could relate to that has gone through the same thing, or if someone's just starting this process, maybe it'll help them think about things that they might do differently as they approach these things. Exactly. When you brought it up to me, that was, I was like, oh, that's, I have a lot. And it's not that I had trouble coming up with my top three. I just had trouble picking what was the top three. Right. Because, I mean, we've discussed our divorces over 14 episodes Mm -hmm. and, it's very clear that, that we did things that we should have done differently. Oh, absolutely. But we, absolutely. we had no preparation. We had no examples. We had, or we had bad examples. And then also the scenario that we were in just made it even worse. You know, exactly. we weren't exactly thinking clearly. So, and not that when you go into divorce, you're always going to be thinking clearly. But if you know what's coming, you can prep yourself a little bit better because Mm -hmm. the whole the whole point of it is is to come out okay and ready for your new life on the other side come out with your self-worth your um dignity you know understanding that it's not the end it might be the end of your marriage but it's not the end of your life you have so much more to do and to build on and so don't break up those foundations that you've already built for yourself or start working on new foundations. Absolutely. And I I think you nailed it right there. I think that was my biggest mental switch as I definitely honed in on it being the end of something instead of the possibility of it being a beginning of something new. And it was the end of something, but I wallowed in that way too long. Whereas if I would have had the wherewithal to see it as a new beginning more sooner than I did, I think I would have gotten into some healing a little bit faster yeah yeah i would completely agree with that yeah definitely 
healing at the time and, and seeing my future at the time, I wasn't, well, we discussed it. I, I was in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if I had been, cause I knew it was coming. So if I'd taken the time to be a little bit more prepared and done the work, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been so in survival mode. You know what I mean? Right. I would have been a lot more prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you come from relationships that were, that had a narcissistic control issue, it's hard not to be in survival mode. So you have to work through that, obviously. But still, in retrospect, there's things that I think I could have done to make it go a little bit more smoothly for me. Absolutely. And we'll we'll talk about those tonight. Our top three things that we would have done differently in the beginning of our divorces. Definitely. I will... Uh, I'll start. So these aren't ranked necessarily one, two, three in the order of what I find most important, but right. they are the top three of all the things I would have done differently. Okay. And there's definitely a longer list. There's a lot of littler things too, but one of the things that I would have done differently is, uh, is utilize my alone time differently. I had never been alone. I think I've mentioned that on a previous uh, episode. I'd never lived alone. I went from my house to living with roommates in college to being married. So this was the first time that I ever lived with, just my youngest daughter but she was driving so she was off with their friends she had volleyball she was busy as 15 16 year olds are and so for the first time ever I was alone in this apartment with no one to cook for nothing to clean no one to tend to and I did not know what to do with myself Mm -hmm. I literally was banging my head against the walls like what do I do I we had a target like half a mile down the road I would walk down to target and just aimlessly walk around because I didn't know how to be alone and that has changed so much over these last three years I now love my alone time and I use it to build and to listen to podcasts and to be in my own head. But at the time I just didn't know how to utilize it for my healing. Well, I would even venture to say that on top of that, being alone in those times where, especially when your marriage and your, your world's kind of falling apart Mm -hmm. a little bit, being alone is also kind of scary because you don't just naturally Unless you've prepared, unless you put in the work and you're like, you've come to the, to the acceptance of, okay, this is happening. Right. So I need to start preparing myself and getting in that headspace so that you're not, you know, knocked sideways by it. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like unless you've done that work, you, when you start going through divorce, when you get in that headspace, or if you haven't done the work going into divorce and you, you just get in that headspace being alone is is scary because it's all of the reality that's happening to you at one time. Mm-hmm. It comes creeping in, and it's like it's staring you in the face. You don't have any distractions right. whatsoever, and because you weren't prepared, that's all very daunting and scary and terrifying and you know it, overwhelming and emotional. I'm okay with being alone because of my trauma in the past Mm -hmm. um i'm okay with being alone in trauma but i can't imagine what that was like for you in the sense that this was like your first really big huge trauma thing besides your parents of course but i mean this is the first time that you were alone you didn't even have that right well and it had only been a couple months since my dad passed yeah my dad passed in april i filed in june 
So being alone meant that I was confronting all of that. Like I had to sit with all of that and I couldn't, I had to keep myself busy because I didn't know how to sit with that and where to even go with that. I I was in therapy. I signed Mm -hmm. up for therapy right away. But therapy, but but therapy is an hour out of your day. The rest of the time you're at home and you're alone. Like therapy is great, but it's a, it's a progressive and it's healing. someone. Yeah. It's not a friend, but exactly. it's, someone it's someone to but talk to, you know. But it's also a progressive healing mm-hmm. over time. You're still leaving therapy and going back to home alone and yeah, all right. of those things and all mm-hmm. of that, those thoughts and those realities just staring you in the face. Mm-hmm. Very true. So, I mean, while therapy is great, it's not, the, it's not a, they're constantly with you. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it takes time. But I I can see how that is so, so important. And I think that we're not telling you to to prepare for divorce. You know what I mean? We're not saying, <laughs> right. you know, like I don't, I don't want people to go out and, you know, okay, I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I'm making this decision um, to get divorced. This isn't a prompt to tell you that if you're teetering on the fence that it can't be saved or anything like that. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying... If you know that that's where it's headed and you understand that it most likely cannot be fixed, Mm -hmm. then start preparing then. Start preparing then. That doesn't mean that your marriage won't, won't suddenly, you know, can't be fixed or that doesn't mean that you, you, some miracle may happen and, you know, things happen. People don't get divorced who thought they were going to. Right. You know, that happens. But a lot of time it's, also because those people did the work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you start preparing yourself and you start doing, you know, the work within yourself, who knows, may save your marriage, but best case scenario, it may prep you to where when you're alone for that first time, you have a little bit better grasp on things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I still think being alone during a traumatic time is tough on a lot of people. It is. It is. And now Interestingly enough, a few years later, I understand that I process things better when I'm alone. I did not understand that, though, right after I filed. Mm -hmm. So what would you have done? How would you have utilized your time differently, looking back? I think I would have just stayed home instead of walking aimlessly around Target, finding people to talk to. (laughs) And, And I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at you. It was just, I pictured you walking around Target talking to people. Well, uh, so it really did happen because, well, I taught in that area so uh, for 20 years. Right. So every time I went into Target, I saw someone that I knew, an ex-student, a parent, a current student, always, always, always. There was no way to walk around Target without chatting with someone. Right. (laughs) So I guess that was my social hour. was a, probably a little crumb of of what you were craving and needing mm-hmm. you know it each person was just a, each moment was just a little crumb mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I, I think instead of doing that I would have just stayed by myself and understood that for me at least the deepest healing comes from being alone and working through my thoughts and I feel like I would have made some better decisions if I would have just sat with my thoughts and worked through them. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. In a roundabout way, 
one of the things that I'm going to talk about kind of has to do with that. So mm-hmm. definitely we agree on that. Okay. For, from, from different reasons or different backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. So my, and again, like you, not in any particular order, but one of mine is not that I regret my marriage now, love my husband, but as we discussed in episode 13, I would not have so quickly allowed myself to form a trauma bond, which only complicated everything. Mm-hmm. So now I was dealing with losing one relationship, being a mom to kids from a broken home who were all, you know, beyond needing repair mm-hmm. at the time. And I was also now grasping onto this other relationship that was formed out of the trauma that, you know, was my divorce and his own trauma. So it it just, it compounded and and made everything more complicated and didn't allow me to concentrate on my children, myself, my healing, like any, you know, navigating through the nightmare that was that first year. Right. Um, The first year and a half, I've said this before and I've hinted at it and I'll never tell the full story because it's his story mm-hmm. and it's not mine to tell. And I'm not out to badmouth him in that way, but it was an absolute nightmare. Um, what happened right. in, in that year and a half. And I also compounded that with being in a tumultuous trauma bond with someone else. Right. I can see where that would be complicated. Yeah. My biggest regret with that particular one was that it also didn't allow me to focus on healing myself so that I could also protect and heal my kids. Right. It, you know, it, it kind of divided my attention and caused me more trauma. And again, not that I regret. No, of course Because not. we're married and we're happy and right. I love him to pieces. But my biggest regret with the whole divorce thing, the biggest regret was the way I handled my kids or the lack of handling my kids because I was so fucked up myself that, it, it, and part of it was because I allowed myself to get caught up in a trauma bond shortly after. That's hands down my hardest too. I, I wonder how many single parents, however the divorce works out, don't feel that. Right. I think that so many of us worry about that with our kids because we know that divorce is going to be traumatic for them. So I think that not being able to adequately handle them how we would like to is probably the biggest regret of several of us that have gone through divorce at the same time we're going through our own hell. Mm -hmm. And so that's hard. That's hard to, when you can't pick yourself up off the floor to also be there for your kids. But of course you want to, Yeah. but sometimes you just, you can't, you don't have that. So I'm sure that that's a common regret of a lot of single parents. And I've talked about it in a previous episode where my struggle with my own mental health during that time and emotional health and how I was at rock bottom. But yet I had to, I almost like on a daily basis there for a time had to fake it just so I could be, you know, be there in some way for my kids. And I knew I was faking it. And I, I used to be not tooting my own horn, but I was, I was a damn good mom. And then all of a sudden I lacked the mental capacity to be anything. You know, I was, I was at rock bottom and I knew on top of that, I knew that I was failing my kids because mm-hmm. they needed me. They were at rock bottom. Right. They were watching their picture perfect family 
fall apart. And he couldn't be there because he lost his damn mind. Right. And I'll say that. But I was the parent that was there, but I was losing my mind in a different way, but still trying to be there for my kids too. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the whole, the whole thing was just one issue after another issue after another issue. And I think that had I removed the trauma bond out of it, I think the kids and I could have truly got out of it sooner or dealt with it a little bit better. Or I think that it would have helped a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because that is exactly my reasoning for my second thing on my list is I most definitely would have waited to start dating again Mm -hmm. for all those reasons that you just said, because now in retrospect, I know I was just trying to distract myself from dealing with emotions. The same reason I couldn't be alone. And I honestly felt like I was ready. I just wanted someone to go to the movies with someone to have dinner with, you know, something like that. But ultimately ended up, dating a couple guys that were pretty much replicas of my ex-husband. And that doesn't help the healing that is, that should be going on at home. And so I was not ready. There was nothing inside of me that was ready to date again, except for the fact that I needed a distraction Mm -hmm. and that caused more pain for me. It caused more pain for my daughters. And I would have definitely done that differently. I wouldn't, maybe have liked to not date but just like I said with the first one ultimately that time alone would have been more beneficial for me mentally which would have made me stronger I think quicker Mm -hmm. which would have provided me more ability to tend to my daughters true and also maybe even make different choices in who you dated or absolutely what you saw in people quicker or sooner or whatever right. yeah right you're absolutely right because i had it's like a domino effect yeah. with, with mine and with yours like it's like a domino effect where one choice affects the next mm-hmm. affects the next affects the next for sure yeah and yours was the trauma bond with with your current husband mine was that i hadn't healed enough so i didn't recognize red flags and therefore was just going after pretty much the same exact thing I just walked out of Yeah, because that was familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And if I had given myself some time to heal, then I would have made better choices, ultimately have been happier, been better for my daughters. Like you said, the domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. Totally can relate to that. Um, My number two um, is that I would have held everyone who judged me to the fire. And by that, I mean, I've said this a, a few times, especially in the, I think it was episode two or three where yeah, we talked right about the, the friends. Yeah. We talked about the uh, duplicitous friends. But I, I I lost church members, which were my church family. And in our church culture, we call them, you know, our family. They all turned their back on me because they thought I was responsible for the divorce. How could I have left him? My, my family turned their back on me for the most part. You know, my, he left in February. My parents came to my house for this, for the first time in, in April. Um, friends, friends turned their back on me. I had, um, I had people message me on social media to tell me that they just, you know, they're unfriending me because they can't handle my divorce and, 
you know, they can't bear to watch it and they can't bear to watch the decisions I'm making. And I was in such a bad place. And so during that time, especially that first year, so angry and so terrified and so an emotional wreck and worried about my kids and worried about myself and frozen in all my actions, you know, couldn't do anything. So I was fucking up everything Mm -hmm. that I let all these people do this to me. And you know me, I'm a feisty person. Indeed. And nowadays, if you do something shitty to me, I'm going to handle it right then and there. Not out of it in a disrespectful way, unless I need to, but I'm going to handle it right then and there where I'm going to say, time out. You know, that's it. And I'm going to confront you. Mm-hmm. But I, during that first almost two years, I, I just let it go. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't take on yet another thing. Right. And some family members came and stayed with me and truly devastated me. Like seriously, a couple, like it, it was in March. And so it was a, still a month and it was so fresh and nightmare things are happening and they came and stayed with me and they made my life a living hell and made me feel so bad even worse they didn't ask me if I was okay they didn't ask me how I was doing they didn't and of course I'm acting like everything's fine and right, that's what so I'm do. sure that they assumed but these people are my, these people are like blood kin and grew up with me they know when I'm rock bottom they know that I'm not okay but never once during that five days that they stayed with me was it ever sit down and I'm sure if they had opened that up that I would have just fell apart. Mm-hmm. But at least someone asked. Right. Instead, they just came in, made my life a living hell, accused me of all kinds of shit, and then left. Wow. And I never held any of those people. I never held my parents responsible for you know not being there for me when they're only... you know an hour away I never held you know my siblings accountable for not checking on me I never held my church best friends who you know claimed to be my family in Christ I never held any of those people responsible and at the end of the day a lot of rumors were spread about me that weren't true Uh, I was joking on social media the other day with a cousin who wasn't involved in any of this but she we were doing a guessing game on how long couples had been together. And she said, how long had you and, you know, my, me and my first, my uh, current husband been together. And I said six years and she goes, Oh wow. And she goes, really? And I was like, yeah. And and I said, yeah, according to family though, it would have been seven. And she goes, and she laughed, and I said, um, and she goes, who, our family, spread gossip and make assumptions? And I was like, yeah, no, shocking. <laughs> you know, but that's that's exactly how it it, it was. Wow. And I never confronted those people. To this day, I haven't confronted a lot of them. I've slowly said some things. But um, I think it would have helped me a lot in my mental state if I had said, time out. Like I'm, I'm fucking suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my husband, who's losing his goddamn mind. My kids are, who have a perfect LDS family, are suddenly having a nightmare family, and you aren't even here for us. Right. You're here to spread rumors, make assumptions, 
place judgment, and turn your back on me. You're turning your back on me and my kids, and I need you to understand that. Right. So when you come 15 minutes away to the temple, um, you know, in with your little Christ-like behavior and your little Christ-like already exalted spiritual shit, and you go 15 minutes away and sit in the temple, the holiest of places, and act like you're one with God, mm-hmm. and you come out and drive past my house and go eat 10 minutes away from my house, and you don't come and check on your sister and your daughter who's suffering and your grandkids and, and nieces and nephews who are suffering, fuck you. Fuck you. Go to hell. Yep. Like, I, I should have said that to them, and I didn't. And I, I think that's a huge regret of mine. So for anyone out there that, and I'm not saying go and attack everybody, but also don't let, I, I get the whole thing where you can't control other people's feelings. I get that. Mm-hmm. But also you can stand up for yourself in a respectful way and right. you can demand respect. Right. You can command respect. You can say, you know what? You're going to believe what you want to believe, but that's not true. And I don't want to hear that come out of your mouth again. If I do, I'm going to come and address it again. And you're going to say it in front of people or two people or on social, whatever you need to do. You're going to say it and let everyone know that is in that little circle. That's not acceptable. And you're wrong. Keep saying it, Mm -hmm. but you're fucking wrong. And you're hurting me and you're hurting my kids. So congratulations. Congratulations for tearing down three little kids whose world is being completely blown apart. So, Because you choose to believe gossip over truth. Yeah. Not even believe it, but even start it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. I hope y'all sleep well at night. I hope y'all are listening to this. Fuck you. Tell them. That's how I feel. Uh, that's how you should feel. I mean, at the end of the day, whether it's family or whether it's really good friends... All you have to do is ask, oh my gosh, this sucks. What's going on? Yeah. But to start rumors or believe rumors without hearing from the other side, I had that happen to me too. Not with family, luckily. My family was aware of the situation and they were all supportive of me. But his family believed he told a different story, which was not true. And his family for the most part, believed him and, uh, and still to this day thinks that I had this awful, awful year plus long affair with someone. And that is not at all what happened. And he told that story to a couple friends of ours who chose to believe it without asking me to. And so I had to cut them off and you're, you're exactly right. In retrospect, I would have said something to them. I think I've said retrospect like four times. No, it's fine. (laughs) We'll allow it. Word of the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very retrospective tonight, I guess. And uh, yeah, I I would have said, hey, I know you believe that that story that came out of his mouth, but in case you're wondering, let me tell you the other side of the story. Yeah. And whether, the, you know, again, you're, you're not going to change everyone, but... It, it's it's a matter of I think you build self worth when you stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and when you speak up for yourself. Right. When you allow yourself to those people to say those harsh things and then get away with it and disappear and go on with their lives, 
I, I am just not that type of person because that just tore me down even more because then, then I didn't even get a chance to have a say or said anything correct or, or, you know, a rebuttal in any way. And you think that if you addressed it now and said, you know, Hey, by the way, when I was going through this, you sucked. Would that bring you any closer? Or do you think that you've done enough growth on your own to not need that? Um, that's the two parts. I've definitely done enough growth on my own that I don't need it, Mm -hmm. but it unfortunately left a wedge between me and a bunch of family members, especially friends, the friends that left me during that be gone. Like I, I can't, I, I recently had a little, you know, conversation with one and, but I don't, I don't know that that elephant in that room could ever be ad- addressed and squashed because I was hurt so bad. But right. I don't, I don't really care about the friend part as much as the the family part. But in order to get rid of that wedge, I'd and address it. This is the second part. I don't know how it would be perceived. With my mom, I'll, I'll be blunt. With my mom and my dad, I did address it. Because, you know, I mentioned that I addressed it with some. Right. I did address it. And she still, to this day, just cannot wrap her head around the fact that it was that bad. And that right. it wasn't me. I mean, this is the same mom that even before, whenever I was fighting for my marriage, and I would have done anything to keep us together in Michigan put her hand on my leg as I'm pouring my heart out saying I like, he's making me miserable and I don't know what to do. She put her hand on my leg and asked me if I was having an affair, if there was another man involved. So I don't, I don't think my mom has the ability to be there for me in that aspect. I love her, but her trauma is so deep. And so she's so, it's so ingrained in her and she's not done any work to better herself that I just don't think that she and I can ever approach that again. We've had our fight over it many times. She's going to believe what she wants to believe, whatever. The family that came and stayed with me, that I know all of their fucking trauma and their drama, I can never say anything to them at this point, I should have back then, mm-hmm. but I was too broken. But I can't, I couldn't say anything at this point because they're still full of fucking drama that they would never, that would just cause a big, huge family turmoil. And we've, you know, she's brushed it under the rug. And mm-hmm. so just move on. You know, I, I see, forget that I fucked you over when you were at your lowest. Right. I see that a lot though. I, and I don't know if this is the same case. Tell me if you think so, but I see it a lot where people have such a messed up situation and they they maybe envy someone else who seems to have it all together. But then when that person doesn't, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one. You're fucked up, too. And then they kind of relish in that. Oh, yeah. So for my third one in my top three, I definitely would have talked with more of my friends I tend to try to handle things on my own. And now I know that that's a trauma response. I didn't know that back then. And, 
and I understand it in a whole different way right now. But back then I just thought I was strong and I was supposed to handle it on my own. And so I had a very, very few couple of friends that knew what I was going through and were there for me through it all. And I love them to death, but I know other friends would have been supportive if I would have talked about it more, but it's kind of like, do they bring it up? It's not their job to bring it up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they felt awkward. Like, so, Hey, I heard you filed for divorce. How do you, how do you start that conversation? If you haven't been through it before, I did have some friends who had been through divorce that reached out because they knew what it was like. They knew how emotionally traumatizing it is to go through that. But my other friends who are, are still happily married, I know still would have supported me. I just didn't know how to say like, Hey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need someone to talk to because I had handled things on my own for so long that I just suffered in silence a lot. I have some friends that I know would have had really great advice, even if they hadn't been divorced, but I just didn't know how to start those conversations. And I felt like, I don't know, I was just in this really dark place where I felt like a burden. I was going to say, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Was there also a little bit of guilt maybe that you, or fear even that you were going to just be a burden to them? Like, you didn't want to be that friend that, you know, every time you got together, it was about your divorce or what, you know, what your trauma, what you were going through. Exactly. And we all know one of those people, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that makes it about them every single time. And I didn't want to be that person. But I know now that I could have approached some people and had that conversation with them. But I just, I was in this spot where, you know, my dad had just died in April. I filed for divorce in June and I just felt like so broken and such in a dark place that I didn't think anyone would want to hear all my sadness. I just felt like it was so much to lay on people. Yeah. And so I tried to handle it myself, but I didn't do a very good job with that. But at the same time, and, and I, I'm guilty of this too, so I'm, I'm talking about myself, but that's us not trusting those friends to handle that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I get why we do it, but also if those are our friends, we should be able to you know, go to them in times of need and right. say, I just need someone to talk to. I just need some advice. Mm-hmm. Like we should be able to do that. I understand why we don't. Right. But, and I could have. Yeah. Definitely. I could have too. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have you because I fucked that up, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you had, had we, you know, done it all again or had, looking back, we would have probably trusted more people to go to them and say. For sure. Yeah, because I was uh, definitely stuck in this place where I was processing it with the couple of friends that were by my side through the whole thing. And obviously processing it with my girls because they were right there with me. But I feel like the the first rule I had always heard about divorce is don't word vomit to your kids because they're processing too. So I didn't want to talk to them, even though they most closely knew the situation we had just left, but I didn't think I was supposed to do that. So I didn't want to talk to them. 
And so I tried to spare their feelings, but then I didn't want to talk to other friends because I didn't know how to bring it up. So thank God for these couple friends that heard it all. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I definitely would have reached out to a few more people. I think it would have, again, helped me heal faster and made me realize that I was going to be okay in a time when I definitely felt like I wasn't. Yeah, because instead it just pushed you more into your feeling of being alone. And then when you did interact with people, it was kind of superficial because you didn't want to burden them Mm -hmm. and just compounded things as well. Right. Yeah. That domino effect again. Yeah. Okay. So my number three, I would have worked on me. I would have worked on my career. I would have worked on my new life. I would have taken that time to kind of reflect, feel the pain figure out what I was going to do, make a plan, pick myself back up. It's kind of like that, you know, um, feel it, recover, take responsibility, plan, move forward, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so in it that I didn't do any of that. Um, And a huge, huge regret of mine is that I'm now seven and a half years out of it. And I'm still working on what am I going to do for the rest of my life? You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. And that, I know we talked about that in our careers episode, our, Mm -hmm. you know, preparing for the future and finances and all that. But I mean, especially those first five years after my divorce were not, I don't want to say they were a waste because that's the wrong word, but I wasted a lot of time not taking care of me, Mm -hmm. not preparing and not, fixing and not working on me and my future and my own life. Cause my kids weren't always going to be at home. I mean, my kids were teenagers when this all happened. Right. So my time of being a mom with kids at home, I mean, I had empty nest staring me down the throat and I still didn't take that opportunity. I had so many missed opportunities where I was busy hoeing and I was busy in a trauma bonded new relationship and Mm -hmm. I was all over the place and I just didn't put any effort into me. I should have at seven and a half years out, I should have already had a new career. I should have already been set. I should have, but I just, I, it took me a really long time to get in that headspace. And I, that was a lack of preparation on my part. I knew the divorce was coming three years before we ever separated and I did nothing. I did nothing during that time. That time was just fight for my marriage. And then the first year and a half to two years after, it was so mentally wrecking. Right. And then the next three years was also mentally wrecking in, you know, different ways because now I'm navigating this new traumatic relationship and my kids, you know, are they're starting at, at the two year mark, they all started processing the divorce. Mm -hmm. And then I started having, you know, issues with their trauma that, you know, it all started finally sinking in Mm -hmm. and it, it just, I never stopped, took a breath and took time to figure me out. Fina, what do you want? What is, let's sit down and let's remember your self worth. Let's remember what you bring to the table the rest of your life is before you. What is the plan? What do you want to see? What are your goals? I didn't do any of that. It was almost like I didn't matter. It was just, I was grasping at the next moment, the next moment, the next moment, the next moment, and 
just trying to hold on to what I could. And I, I think part of that is just the survival mode that we came out of. And I don't know about you, but the brain fog was horrible. I, I stood minute by minute during that time. Literally. Yeah. It, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. My, minute my, yeah. to minute to minute. Yeah. My daughters would tell me to do something and I'd say, okay, two minutes later, I would completely forget that they asked me. And then the next day they would say, hey, did you? And I would just be like, oh my gosh, holy shit. No, totally forgot about it. Because such a brain fog and completely unable to look at the future and plan for it like that. Yeah. So. And in their teenage heads, that's, they're still remembering us being super moms where we had everything under control and Mm -hmm. everything organized and everything penciled in and everything, you know, for sure change on the fly. And, oh, that's okay. Things happen at the last minute. Boom. We got it figured out. And, and that was us for their whole lives Mm -hmm. until this moment. And then all of a sudden we're airheaded and we're losing time and we're, you know, forgetful and we're, and I get that they're young and they don't know the, the absolute shit storm that's going on in our heads right. and in our hearts and in our, you know, yeah. our spirits at that time. So I don't blame them for getting upset at all. Mm-mm. But that was yet another thing is that now we, you know, we get in fights with them and disappoint them. And because we're just not, we're not in a good place. We're not functioning. No, I was, I was a zombie for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that is um definitely something that we can't blame ourselves for that. You know, I, I sit down with my girls and my son now and and we talk about things and I look back on moments where I lost my shit and or I allowed them to have, you know, I allowed moments to happen with them and in front of them and all of that And I hope that they now understand because I've tried to convey it to them. Mom was broken too. Like I went from being their biggest hero to, I don't want to say I failed them and I don't want to say I'm failing myself, but I was failed. And when I was failed, I didn't have the capacity to always be their hero and be that super mom that I used to be. I was human. And I, I think if, Anything I hope our kids take that away from all of this is that, you know what? Super moms, they're human. And at the end of the day, sometimes they're going to fall. And we have to remember that because hopefully, hopefully they don't fall too much whenever, you know, they're moms and and dads and in relationships. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the odds are they are something's going to happen and that that is going to occur. And hopefully they remember these moments with you and I, and they remember that parents are human. They, My kids are going to remember when dad lost his shit for about a year and a half and wasn't the same dad. And they remember when mom, you know, wasn't the same mom for quite some time because she was so broken and your girls will too. And we're all going to be okay at the end of this. Yeah, for sure. I think if anything, when all is said and done. And I realize that some of the healing will be more long-term, but even in these couple of years, I feel that we're closer than we were because we have a lot of open and honest conversations Mm -hmm. and they do see me as human and someone who tried their best and did their best, even though during when it was happening, 
you know, when I was at my lowest, I don't think they necessarily understood. They were younger. But now I feel like we all have really grown and we have a really strong relationship and communication because of it. I would fully agree with that because of the fact that having conversations now, you you can tell that, that things have healed, that forgiveness is there, the understanding is there, and they see us on this side of it, mm-hmm. you know, and... I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that our kids saw us like that. I wish that, you know, all of us hadn't gone through such a depth of hell. However, I think it's some good has come out of the fact that they have seen us at our most vulnerable moments and our lowest moments, because like I said, now they can take that and apply it to their lives as they move forward and realize that you may have, you may be the best PTA mom, you know, in the world, Mm -hmm. but behind closed doors, reality still happens and human things still happen and divorce and fights and disagreements and deaths. And all of these things happen that change your course, you know, forever. Right. And, and bump, bump you off, you know, of your track. And now they have this example it's a hard example, but they have this example moving forward and mm-hmm. we all do, you know, right. we, we've all learned so much and, and grown so much because of it. Absolutely. I actually just had a really similar conversation with my youngest daughter recently about that, about how our course has completely changed and who would have thought we'd be where we are right now. You know, yeah. we started off in a house pretty much white picket fence in Michigan. And now the three of us are living in individual places spread across the Southwest U.S. And I don't think we ever would have seen that coming. But I think we're finally getting to a place where we see it as an opportunity for growth instead of a, holy shit, life really smacked us around with this, you know. And, And now I feel like we're coming out on the other side and able to to see it as different, mm-hmm. not everybody's story, not everybody's life, but still an opportunity for greatness. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I would even apply those sentiments to me and my kids for sure. Yeah. And my story, our story, our story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this was an excellent discussion. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do too. It, it was shorter than our last one. Good God, that oh one was gosh. really long. We had a lot to say about yeah. that. Episode 13. Whew. Yeah. Like number 13, super long. But um, I think this is a good and help, healthy discussion mm-hmm. for us to have. Yeah. So I'll be interested to hear what uh, what anyone out there has to say about any of these things if they caught themselves saying, yep, me too, I would have done that differently, you know, yeah. at the beginning of their divorce journey. Yeah, and and as always, don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, put in Drunk Divorce Divas, we'll pop up. But the conversations that we do have going on in our messages have been really meaningful ones. And maybe at some point we'll take those, you know, to public posts and have open conversations. But for the most part, I know a lot of this is very private for some people. So the the back and forth that we've had with you guys out there who do message us has been phenomenal, I think. Yeah. And fully agree. So don't don't hesitate to reach out. 
if you need advice, if you just need to share your story, if you just need, you know, a, a fellow sister, or even if you're a guy going through divorce, like one of my very good friends recently, you know, about three years ago went through divorce and he, he and I talk all the time about it and we mm-hmm. have, you know, different yet similar stories. And, and the thing is, is that this isn't a gender thing. Like we can all relate. We, we all have traumas from divorce and experiences from divorce and we all need to be there for each other, whether it's a stranger on the internet or, you know, a, a good friend or family member or even pseudo family, just because you're blood and you know, doesn't mean that you're family. That's sometimes, so true. sometimes my greatest family are the non-blood. <laughs> and so, and on to the next one. On the 15 soon. So find us on social media. Let us know what you thought about the episode and start a conversation. We'd love to talk to you. Yes. Have a great day. Bye.